0: we'll hand-select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 138 with Andrew Smallwood. Among the many influential people that I've met, Andrew stands out as a tremendous role model for effective communication. He possesses a remarkable combination of intelligence, humility, curiosity, openness, empathy, and respect for others. In a world of cancel culture and divisive communication, Andrew is a shining example of civil discourse. In this short snippet from our powerful original conversation— Andrew unpacks some deep insights into how we can all develop a well-rounded understanding of other perspectives and can learn to communicate with care and candor at the same time. He covers why it's important to care what other people think, but not too much, and why a strong desire to learn encourages more empathy and enables us to avoid taking disagreement or differences personally. He also offers a few paradigm shifts that can radically enable someone's ability to gain additional perspectives on some of life's most challenging and difficult situations. From my perspective as a student of human interactions, I think the subjects that Andrew discusses today are some of the most important ideas for people to be exposed to and to consider deeply. I really wanna encourage you to play this short episode with others in your circle and discuss some of the ideas that Andrew brings forth. My full conversation with Andrew is available at episode number 138 with show notes listed out at changinglivespodcast.com. Please share this episode with others in your network. And if you've never rated the podcast, take a few seconds to tap the five rating right now. All right. Here's Flashback Friday with Andrew Smallwood.
1: You have a remarkable combination of qualities that I would label as curiosity plus humility plus intelligence plus tremendous communication skills all rolled into one. And I would really like to unpack this a little bit and talk about this because I think it can lead us into some pretty important things that we could discuss. So let me start by just asking you, how do you feel this combination of qualities evolved for you?
2: Mm. So I think an important part of this was the desire to grow and the desire to learn, like to be a learn it all as opposed to a know it all. It's not the, again, the people that know that inherit the earth, right? (laughs) Or thrive in times of change, but the people that are learning to come back to where we started. Mm -hmm. And an important lesson for me, Dan, something I struggled with a little bit was, especially as a younger person, was like caring about what others think. And then I hear... Some people talk about that and they're like, well, you don't care about what others think at all. And it's, it's kind of this license to be brash or frankly, just a jerk uh, <laughs> is the way it can sometimes be wielded. And so I kind of struggled with that and thought about caring too little about what other people think, you know, can make us look thoughtless. Caring too much appears inauthentic. But people who come across as both self-aware and sincere they treat their reputations you know like a mirror in that they're checking on it you know they might be looking at it once every day but they're not staring obsessively into it uh you know and only only thinking about that the whole idea of caring about
1: what other people think without obsessing about what other people think that distinction is really powerful What I feel happens when you don't care about what anybody else thinks is it develops a sort of a selfish, kind of me first way of thinking and acting, which also promotes uncomfortable interactions and increases conflict. And one of the things I want to talk about with you today is how you interact with people where you disagree, but you're able to do it in a way that doesn't create conflict. And I think that's rooted in that you, you do care about what they think, that you do respect what they think at some level. And that, uh, you know, there's that balance between trying to, you know, be someone who can have comfortable interactions with others who are different from you, but not obsessing about it so much that it lets you feel worse about yourself just because somebody disagrees with you. You don't take it personally. If somebody disagrees with you, in other words, right. Did any of that make sense?
2: It does. I think of the book, The Four Agreements, and don't take anything personally, and what sage advice that is. And I think it's it's a self-awareness, it's a sincerity, it is genuinely caring about other people. And there's a part of this, too, that links back to that desire to learn, and the curiosity was one of the words that you used, is, are you genuinely curious, seeking first to understand? And having the humility to step back and say, I don't know everything about this. And I certainly don't know everything about this person that I'm standing in front of. And so mm-hmm. what can I learn about this person, about their perspective, about the topic of conversation you know, that we're engaging in? Because if I'm only expressing my opinion right? And it's this argument or debate kind of dynamic that feels I'm just going to throw up the best I have and try to tear down whatever they have. Well, there's, there's nothing really constructive or very generative about that kind of process. And so that's just a lot less interesting to me as dialogue because I'm not going to learn much from that or gain much from that. I just think this mentality and the
1: skill set that you bring to communication it's so important and it's particularly important right now we need people to adopt more of the mentality of curiosity interest humility speaking first to understand as you said like that's so important right now right could you speak to what you feel like is the importance of what i guess we
2: could call civil discourse yeah And Dan, I think what we also recognize and something that people, you know, everyone listening to this will connect with is that online is also just like the medium of having these kind of conversations online does something to us, you know, (laughs) in meaning I have seen people who I respect, who are some of the kindest people I know from personal experience behave in very curious ways when they get into conversation online. The things that I never would imagine them saying if they were standing in front of the person they were talking to. Mm. And perhaps online, there's this element of, you know, I don't know this person personally, right? Or don't know them very well. And suddenly you see people engage with them differently because they... It's like they've lost value on the relationship and they've increased the value on just communicating what they want to communicate, making their point. And I think it's just like a false choice to do that. I think we can be totally candid with each other and demonstrate radical care for one another, whether we know them, whether that's online in person or not, like you can communicate with care and candor you don't have to make this false choice between the two
1: i like what you said about communicating with care and candor at the same time like that's a good way of looking at how we're trying to impact somebody else versus the sort of attacking type of way that uh, that we see so many people communicate particularly as you said online a lot of people will tell you that nothing changes when you spout out something in a thread online. I don't know that anything changes right away, but that the more inputs somebody receives in a certain area that they are learning about or you know that they're involved in discussing, gradually people do evolve, right? Most of us have beliefs that are different today than they were 10 years ago in different things. And so there is an evolution that happens when ideas are presented in a constructive way. How do you tackle it when somebody expresses an opinion about something that or an opposing view that you feel like needs to be addressed? You feel like it's so egregious that it needs to be
2: addressed. How do you, how do you tackle that? Dan, I guess a couple things come up for me. One is, I can't remember where I first heard this analogy, but it's the analogy of like a beach ball. And it's if you think of the beach ball as the issue or the topic or the center of the dialogue, that if I'm holding it in front of my face, I can see the blue part you know, of the beach ball. And to me, the beach ball looks blue. Of course, on the other side of that beach ball, there might be a red color or a different color that I'm not seeing while I'm looking at the blue aspect of this. And so for difficult... Topics, I try to hold that analogy close because when somebody says something that surprises me or bothers me, or, or I mean, I will admit there are times where people say things that upset me or I get uncomfortable. And that's my initial reaction. But as quickly as I can, I try to think, okay, how can I be curious before becoming critical? Meaning, is this actually a beach ball? that if I spun it around, I could actually see things from their point of view. And can I try that first before moving to, no, they're just not looking at this correctly. And I've been guilty of that myself. And people have educated that me to that myself. Of, I didn't have all the facts or I was making assumptions or I was seeing something that wasn't really there. And those experiences kind of inspire the humility where you can say, you know what, there's more I can learn about this at a minimum. Even if I don't change this person's mind, I can better understand their perspective. I can better understand how they got to that perspective and what's informing their point of view. And that might teach me something about engaging other people in this topic you know, in the future so that I can better connect with them and find mutual purpose. I can show mutual respect in this kind of conversation where we can have a more interesting conversation together. Mm, That
1: that was so powerful, Andrew. It's just a great way of looking at how people think. It's like you're a child's worldview, a child who's say 10 years old, their worldview is, is shaped Almost exclusively by their parents, right? I mean, maybe by 10 it's starting to be shaped by other kids at school and things like that. It's certainly at like four years old, a child's worldview has been shaped completely by their parents. And then it starts to be shaped by other people and more other people and more other people. But still, by the time somebody's 20 years old, most of their worldview stems from their own small, very small circle of influence. Their color of the beach ball, they're one eighth or whatever of the beach ball, like that's their worldview. And what's important to realize if you're listening to this is that your worldview has largely been created by the circle of influence that you have had up until now. And that by being curious before critical, you're actually exploring other sides of the beach ball. You're actually putting yourself into other people's perspectives other people's shoes so to speak and it's giving you a chance to kind of live there for a few minutes and see what it's like and feel it and sense it and it gives us an exposure that is truly the only way that we can evolve on important issues in society is by giving ourselves that deliberate exposure and you've always made an effort to do that andrew and then you know when somebody is uh Said something that you feel like has to be called out, you present your own thoughts in a way that shows this curiosity and empathy. And I just think it's so, it's such a powerful way of
2: interacting that I really respect about you. Thank you for that, Dan. And as you're talking through that, it makes me think about, you know, something I would advocate for is sometimes when people talk about free speech and like being afraid to speak up, right? You could think about, I guess what I would advocate for in our discourse is let's be tolerant of more opinions and points of view, being able to come in, but that does not mean free license to like, it doesn't mean like it's free speech, not free megaphone. It does not mean it goes unchallenged. It does not mean it goes unaddressed. It doesn't mean, Hey, freedom to, you know, have everyone agree with you.
1: Yeah. That's so important if we shut down opinions or views, then those people aren't going to change, right? They're never going to evolve if we shut down their thoughts and have people hold stuff in. It's it's when things are discussed that people can evolve. And I would add when things are discussed appropriately, right? The, The whole attacking mentality doesn't really work. I read a quote a while back, which was something about, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still, right? Mm-hmm. You can't twist somebody's arm to change their mind versus what you do, which is presenting, hey, have you thought about this? And offering ideas, questions, concepts to think about presented in a non-judgmental way that gets people to evolve their thinking slowly but surely. And therefore, they ultimately are convinced when they, once
2: they've evolved. Right. Yes. And Dan, if I can add to this, that a trigger for me to know that I need to step back, you know, because listen, as we're talking about these things, I recognize there are, there are still times and I'm with Facebook, right. I'm sure somebody could go find them, <laughs> you know, at some point where, Hey, these are things I strive for and aspire to, right. And these are the ideals I'm trying to hold, but a lot of times it takes conscious, intentional. Effort because it's so easy to get caught up in a moment or in a particular discussion, especially if it's fraught, especially if it's personal. And these things can be easy to say, but really difficult to actually do. And one of the triggers I think about is when somebody has a comment or somebody expresses something, and I see myself going for, you know, what people would call like a straw man, or just like pointing out what's wrong about it, or pointing out or making an uncharitable assumption about what it might mean, right? Or what it even says about them that they expressed this. Rather than indulging those kind of feelings or temptations, if I can stop and say, hey, what's actually, what's right about what they're saying? How can I actually strengthen their argument first, You know, could I actually strengthen this opposing argument and rather than if they're missing a piece of this or whatever it is, say, how can we strengthen the argument on this side of the beach ball, so to speak first? And what is the best version of this perspective rather than shut down conversation by pointing out flaws? that might have been expressed in or shortcomings in the communication or wording of it. And so that that's something I would encourage everyone to take. is like, what's the most charitable assumption I can make here, right? Or how can I strengthen this opposing argument as opposed to, again, just trying to one-up or show mine as the superior point of view? And that usually leads to better and more interesting conversation.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device.